What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. This is day number nine of the 12 Days of Podcasts. I'm your host, Eric Van Workham. Um, we're doing a giveaway. Leave a review on Spotify or um, iTunes. Leave a screenshot of that review. Send it to me, E-R-I-K at MealyFreak.com. Eric at MealyFreak.com. MealyFreak. MealyFreak.com. Eric at MealyFreak.com. And you enter to win a free hoodie. Um, I need to pick a winner. I got one. So hold on a second. Uh, Jim Bingham, you're the man. The Grind Podcast. Love the podcast. Excited to hear more about the new game bags. Can't wait to get mine. Most of all, fill in with fresh meat. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you. Five stars. All right. <clears throat> now, I ne- I've never actually asked you this before. So um, I want to hear why you ultimately decided to take this journey with Mealy Freak. Okay, so I had started Mealy Freak two years prior. And, dude, I think I was, like, trying to get you to do stuff with me for six to eight months before you did. Maybe longer. I don't even know. But tell me uh, tell me what was kind of going on in your mind, what your career path was. You obviously weren't married. You're up at Utah State studying what program. And tell me about kind of your journey. Let's see. I So I got home from serving my mission for the church in October, 2013. Um, I went to Weber state that next spring semester. And then, um, starting that spring, I sold pest control that whole summer of 2014. And then I decided that summer after selling pest control, I was going to go to Utah state because Zach was up there our cousin Zach. Um, and did you want to get away from home? Was that yeah, I wanted to get priorities? away from home, but none of my, none of my buddies from before my mission or from high school, my, my friends growing up, no one went to Weaver state. So I was like, Oh, I'm not going to stay around here. Like nobody here. So I was like, I'll go to Utah state, go hang out with my, my cousin Zach up there. And so yeah, you thought fall- Zach had life figured out or what? No, I just... What program was Zach in? Business. Oh. I don't know. Business marketing. Well, that's what you were going to go into, right? That's what I graduated with, yeah. Oh. Um, but, yeah, so I, I went up to Utah State because there was, again, nobody at home. Um, did did the fall semester there. So fall 2014 is when I started going, I think, more full-time-ish with... Uh, with you, but yeah, leading, wait, when was that fall of 2014? It was like November, 2014. Really? Yeah. So I started, I think a little bit like helping part time ish, um, through maybe through the summer end of, end of fall and, uh, just, just little stuff here and there. I remember going over to, I remember going over to your, to your house and, and, uh, two houses ago and my shine on bonus was some sunglasses, <laughs> some Smith sunglasses uh, dipped in Cryptek. You probably thought that was pretty cool. It was cool. Yeah, I yeah. liked those. I was sad. I lost those at some point in 2015, and and I was sad. I think but my yeah. father-in-law confiscated mine and said, oh, he got them somewhere. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Your sign on bonus was. Some Smith sunglasses. Probably glasses that you could actually never afford at the time. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, those Smiths were hot at the time. And then obviously Cryptek was kind of the new up and coming brand at, the, at that time as well. So yeah, it was, that was cool. And then I, I think I like started helping you part time, but I, again, that whole summer I did door to door to door sales summer, 2014 selling pest control, sling, <laughs> slinging pest control. Slinging door to door. How was that? What did you learn there? What did I learn? <clears throat> I learned to, uh, that I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, first off, if I was going to go door to door, I wanted something with like bigger commissions. Right. So a pest control contract was like 75 to a hundred bucks. Well, yeah. per spray. So like 400 to $500 a, a year. Is it a two-year contract or one-year contract? It was a one-year contract. Yeah. But at the time, it was a brand new pest control contacts, contract. So we were, or company. So we were doing tiny little contracts, like three, three time a year spray, $300 contract. And then obviously I got whatever, 15, 20% of that. But so I learned that, uh, I learned that if I was going to do door to door, I didn't want a pest, you know, to sell a pest control contract. Yeah. But, um, but you made some decent money. Yeah. Well, you learned yeah. some things. I, wor- I worked my butt off and I learned to, I learned how to Talk communicate to people. with people. Yeah. I learned how to, you know, do something hard that you didn't want to do. Yeah. It's like every door. I didn't want to go up to it, but yeah. I did it anyway. Yeah. You did it anyway. Just and like I, climbing the mountain. It's like, man, I don't want to climb that mountain. Yeah, exactly. But what I want is up there. Yep. And I, I learned too, uh, you know, being around other like salesmen and stuff and like the stuff that they would say, I'm like, man, I'm never going to compromise, like telling the truth. Right. Right. So <laughs> there was a lot of things, you know, from, from going out with other guys and training and stuff. I'm like, I, I'm not going to say that. So, so I learned that quick too, like how easily you can, you know, tell little squibs and lies to try to get a sell, but, <laughs> um, not something you really want to learn. No. And, and I just, it's. Yeah, I I didn't ever want to do that, but I you know I saw I saw guys doing it and anyway yeah so I I learned you know how to do hard things and how to grind and you know door to door in ninety five hundred degree weather you know day after day is not fun yeah you know it's really interesting make a parallel here door to door is kind of like stocking mule there it's a numbers game yeah it is it's like you know that the next door you know the ne- the next no is one door closer to a yes you know the next stock is one stock closer to a dead buck dude it's so true yep and i think as long as you can operate like that when you're bow hunting mule there and also working whether you're in sales or business you're gonna win as long as you don't quit yeah yep <laughs> yeah and a 100 degree weather day after day that's <laughs> that's bow hunting mule deer too yeah for us <laughs> so yeah 100 degree weather and you gotta you gotta go go do it again go yeah. do it again go do it again but I'd I'd much rather uh, go after a, a mule deer in hundred degree weather than knock on a hundred doors in a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot funner. You might not make as much money, but you're, it's a lot funner, huh? Yeah, hundred times. Yeah, you funner. can only you can only and you can dude you can knock doors forever. You can only bow hunt mule deer in the high countries for so long. Yeah. So okay, so you did the door to door grind. You did that for summer, and then you I think you started kind of doing stuff for us at that point. Yeah. So late, late 2014, November, 2014, I was, I was like, yep, let's do it. So I was done with, you know, this, the summer sales gig was over and yeah, I did a little recruiting for him during school, but not, you know, not a whole ton. I was like, ah, let's do this thing with me, with Muley Freak and Eric. Yeah. So. And at that time we were doing a little consulting and stuff. 
Yeah. So I had you like manage some of the Facebook pages. Uh, there was no real Instagram at the, at the time. I kind of took care of the paid uh, performance marketing stuff. And, you know, we met with some of these guys once a week. Man, that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Very, very <laughs> interesting. I had to... Back when Facebook was Facebook. I had to drive like two and a half hours to meet with this guy once a week. And he was just the the meeting was just useless because he was such a he was just a goofball, yeah. And so I you know I do four and a half five hours of driving that day to go meet with him for thirty minutes and like I remember one time I went there and he's like oh I, shoot I forgot to tell you we're not meeting today I was like oh great <laughs> drove drove for five hours you know not to even meet with him that day so yeah it, frustrating and, and then. Yeah, but again, I, you know, I learned some. I learned some stuff from for work. You know, working for that guy. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, and I don't know if it was on a podcast, but you and I have talked about it about you know being detail oriented and yeah. There was that's when I really hammered that one home to you. Yeah, Deta- details matter. <laughs> I can remember what happened. I I, I don't. We remember. posted something. <laughs> We posted a company's stuff on the wrong Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. And depending on how, like... And I didn't catch it, and they were pissed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and Facebook used to... It, it, depending on the version of Facebook that was up, like, it was ha- kind of hard to tell, like, whose page you were on and what you were doing. You had to really be careful. And it was easy to post the, <laughs> the wrong thing on somebody else's page. But anyway, yeah, posted the wrong thing. It was thing easy, and, yeah. Because it would delay, and when you post it, and be like, you're posting from this page. Yeah, or- it was glitchy at times, too. And, you know, not only that, so posting the wrong thing on somebody else's page, but, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, missing a punctuation or spelling a word wrong or whatever, like, that's, you know, not professional, and it's not something that, uh, you know, a company wants to see on their social media. So, um but I've taken, like, I am a spelling Nazi and it drives people like Taylor, my wife, nuts. And, and I make fun of my in-laws all the time. Like when they're texting, I'm like, you're, what are you saying? You're kind of rude I, to Peyton and I about it too. Like, well, that's because every story you post has, because you're doing it so fast. I know why. I know. You do it fast and it auto-corrects and it's really annoying. It's really annoying. But like, that's made me really pay attention to, and I make mistakes too. I still spell stuff wrong when I'm in a hurry too. But what I'm saying is generally speaking, like I'm very, very detailed when I, you know, write a post out or write a blog or whatever. I I really pay attention to that because of that job back in 2000, you know, early 2015 with that company. So Hmm. yeah, taught, taught me details, details matter in bow hunting too. Yep. Precision rifle hunting really matters. Yep, you don't look at your bubble and you're canted and, you know, you shoot right and miss. Or same thing with yeah. a bow. Or you can take the wrong step. Yep. Try to try to mess with a fickle wind. And I, I think with, with both of those things, whether, you know, whether it's a, a job at work, whether you're doing cement or whether you're doing woodworking or marketing or whatever, or bow hunting, like if you rush something, you Never generally get it wrong. Yeah. So if, if you're rushing something, it usually doesn't go how it should. So yeah. 
being patient and detail oriented always generally works out for yeah. And I think that's especially for important for product design. Like we took two and two and a half years on the game changer, and we're like, no, we can't kick it out the door like that. We got to fix this. Nope, we got to fix that. It's got to function like that. It's got to look like this. It's got to be quiet here. It's got to move there. I mean, I think that's especially important for product design. And whether we like it or not, uh, we're product designers, which never thought we would be. No. <laughs> I remember specifically when I started Mealy Freak, Dad's like, what are you going to do with this? I'm like, he's like, you need a product. I said, Dad, I got a product. He's like, no, you need a real product. You got <laughs> you to invent something to sell. He did. He always used to say that. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, you're an idiot. He was, <laughs> he was right. Yep. I should have done it two, three years earlier. But, but he, I didn't. I didn't have the belief. I didn't think I could. Not that I didn't think I couldn't. I just didn't have it in my brain. It wasn't like, it wasn't a forethought. Yeah. I. It, yeah. I remember him saying, "You need to make a cooler. Make it's your like, own cooler." Dad, we're not making a cooler. <laughs> you should make some hunting boots. <laughs> but yeah, he. It, it is interesting that he did have that forethought to yeah. say, "You need your own product." You know, I've if you want to grow, you got to make your own product. Yeah. Hundred percent. I've talked about this on a podcast before, you know, and I think about this with my kids all the time. I try to like put positive things in their brain all the time. For example, I was visiting Badass Outdoor Gear today, and uh, I took Kendra down with me because anytime I can take my kids with me and and do something, um, I want to do it. And like, I'm gonna take this and gift. She's like, Dad, why we give them a gift? Are they are they poor? Are they do they need are they in need of help? I said, No, no, no. They're they're a customer, so we're just gonna go thank them for their business. What, what do you mean, Dad? Oh, well. They sell our game changer and, our, and some of our products. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, when she's in the truck, I said to her, I said, man, I haven't seen something this pretty before. But I said, besides that, I said, I haven't seen something this nice. <laughs> and she, you could just see the compliments just, you know, um, glow. That's what I was looking for. <clears throat> um, Dad always used to say to us, and I, and I try to remember this with my kids, he always used to say to me, you can do anything you want if you believe and put your mind to it. I'm like, well, Dad, why didn't you take your own advice? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because he worked at he worked at the same yeah. gas company for 35 years and he hated his job. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of confidence. Dad yeah. never had a lot of confidence. And and my dad grew up with an abusive father. Um, my grandpa Van Workum was kind of an interesting fellow, not the nicest guy, but he kind of stripped my dad's confidence. And but my dad wanted to make sure he didn't do that with us. Like dad never made us feel like we weren't good enough ever. Maybe he's impatient with us. Yes. But he, he always told me you can do anything you want. If you put your mind to it, I remember telling him, I'm going to be in the NBA dad. <laughs> and I believed it. He said, you can do anything you want. And I, I want to try to try to do it with my kids, but back to the, back to dad telling us we could do it. Like if we believe we could do it. We could do it. We had, I had friends that when I first started this, like, dude, you're never you're never going to do this. There's no way. It's not possible. I'm going to watch me. It just motivated me more. Um, but anyway, so back to some of the consultant work. Um, we we did that for years. But we rubbed shoulders with some amazing people. But it was kind of an interesting dynamic. Like someone asked me the other day, you still do consulting work? I'm like, no. Nope. Not doing it anymore. Why not? And I'm just like, man, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I've seen several different verticals succeeded in social media and performance marketing with those different verticals. And some of the clients were great, some not so fun to work with, but I noticed, um, that, you know, you need to qualify your clients and it's not always fun working with clients because like you said, you can lead them horse water, but you can't make them drink. Meaning, 
you know, sometimes they don't always listen. And sometimes, um, you know, the good ones do. Uh, but it just got like frustrating, especially if you're remote. I don't know. I didn't, some things I really loved cause I learned a lot from a lot of different people and I got to work on some awesome teams. Um, for example, Ryan, working with Ryan and on I, on X, we had a really good run together. Um, we, it, Andrew, Dylan, Zach, some of those other guys who are still at, uh, on X. Um, but like, I don't know. What do you think about the consult stuff? Well, you talk a lot about, uh, you learned a lot from Rich. Yeah, Rich. So. Some Rich, some, and no one will ever know Rich. But, like, he was probably the most incredible human I've ever worked with. That was a loan company you worked for. Yeah. Yep. Consulting. Yep. Not even in the hunting industry. And he, I didn't even know, I didn't even know what I was doing performance marketing or Facebook. He saw my knack and ability to read um, things and algorithms and whatnot. And he just gave me faith. He's like, dude, this guy, this guy gets it. I'm going to invest in him. And he kind of like was patient with me and invested in me. And I was able to do some incredible things for that company. Ended up, uh, renaming them. They, uh, they ultimately became a billion dollar organization, eventually sold. Uh, the team was together a long time. And I can honestly say I loved working with those guys, like made me happy. Those guys were family, every single one of them. Um, so yeah, he, he was a, he's a Columbia grad and he was so smart, like so smart. And he knew, he knew how to, he knew how to manage people. He was like really good with it. In fact, some of these things you see me do like the weekly meetings or like reviews or one-on-ones, I learned that from rich. Like that's, that's a rich thing, you know? And he always let people, he always let people talk. You know, I learned this from one of my professors, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That was rich. He was always uh, there to listen before he was to talk. Anyway, back to the consulting thing. Yeah, I think the the cool thing about that was, like you just said, how many different people you got to meet and the opportunities it brought and learning from others. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, we were able to meet some incredible people doing that. But at some point, it's like, man, you're building somebody else's business yeah and you're taking time away from what you want to do yeah what you want to build and i think that we started to really see that towards the end it's like man we're we're putting all our energy into other other people's companies that's not ours yeah and we don't have time for ourselves yeah and that you know but but again like we put the it was it was kind of i guess at least for me it was, you know, you got to take that learning path and you got to go out and you got to work and learn and get yeah. skills and so on and so forth. Yeah, so. I worked like a dog. Like I'd put Jaylee to bed because I only had Jaylee at the time and I would back to the computer. First thing I do, I'd sleep with the laptop next to my bed. First thing I do, get on, look at ads. As soon as I woke up, like I worked like a dog, but I worked my way up, you know, and that's what, but that's what it takes working like a dog, Right. But I think the big thing too is, is like you take ownership in what you do here at Muley Freak. Peyton takes extreme ownership in what he does on YouTube, you know, uh, though like everyone feels like the sense of ownership over these certain channels and you have to have that for a successful company, right? Yep. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if, if you don't, it's, it's like one person can't do everything. And so if, uh, you know, if the person over that, that channel can't, 
you know, succeed and take ownership, then it's not going to ever grow. So you've got to have people that have that belief. Like if you're, if you can't just like, this isn't working for like Northrop Grumman or, um, what are some big organizations that you know about where you just walmart.com or, or Amazon, where you just show up, you're going to make 60, 70, 80,000, hundred thousand a year. And they don't even know if you're there. Like if you don't show up to work for two months, <laughs> nothing's, they're not going to notice. Yep. Peyton doesn't show up for two months. You don't show up for two months. I don't show up for two months. There's stuff that's not going to happen at all. Big problem. Yeah. Nosedive. Yeah. Andy Frisella calls them entrepreneurs. Yep. Right. We've talked about that before. So right. Pey- Peyton's an entrepreneur and he's really taken o- ownership over the, the YouTube channel. Hey, what his head's going to explode over there. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton's over there with the big grin. Yeah, he's over here like rolling his <laughs> eyes. He's like, I'm not even gonna turn. <laughs> These guys are idiots. <laughs> but yeah, entrepreneurs in- is is what Andy calls them. You got to have entrepreneurs inside your company if you want it to grow. So yep. People that take ownership over over you know their dominion inside. Yeah. And I think everyone's rooting each other on. You, I've been also consulted for the organizations that are people are trying to knock each other down, trying to climb up the totem pole by gutting or otherwise filleting someone else. You want to name names? No. <laughs> those com- but those companies are never successful. They they never move. You have to have the people. One thing, I think I've talked about this on a podcast, maybe Coach Graziano, as many corks as he had, he's like, um, we'll be successful when nobody cares who gets the credit. When no one cares who gets the credit, that's when we'll be successful. And it's like when no one's pounding their chest that I'm the one that we did this or I'm the reason or I'm the reason, that's when everyone's going to be Yeah, I learned successful. that in seventh grade from Porter, Coach Porter. That was one of his lines? Yeah, we had to memorize it if you wanted to be on the team. So 100%. People that are credit hogs, like you don't, you can't have credit hogs or yeah. you don't grow. So <clears throat> when did you think this uh, Mealy Freak thing had legs? When did I think like, it what had was, legs? Like what was your thinking all along? Because you haven't quit. You could have quit a lot of times too. Yeah. I mean, obviously the client work, I, I enjoyed that because, you know, again, I, you know, I ran two or three different accounts that were strictly mine and I felt ownership over that. And so I enjoyed that. So that's why I stuck around during that time. And, you know, the opportunity to take on new clients and, and to help others. And, you know, and then we worked heavily with, with base map. And again, um, that was fun and interesting because I had my own channels. I got to run the the blog and orga- all organic social. And it's like, that was fun too. Um, yeah. And so there's always time. I think that's what I've always enjoyed where, you know, I, I get that entrepreneur feeling, you know, uh, on what we're doing. And that's what's, that's what's kept me moving along as far as, you know, when I felt like, you know, Muley Freak itself had, that was probably you know, the last couple of years as we got into what we just talked about, like actually doing products yeah, that, that help people, you know, yeah. make them better hunters. I think that's when I, you know, really got that strong, strong feeling for the, at least the Muley Freak brand in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what Muley Freak's about. We're about trying to make others better. And we've, we have purpose built products to make you a better hunter, a better Western hunter for that yeah. matter. And I will say back in, I think I think when I really caught fire at one point was when I went and filmed uh, Rick Wary's hunt. And I think that opened the possibility. I'm like, man, 
we could do so much good. And then we did that same year, we did our first, uh, we did our first rifle, which is for chairbound sportsmen. So we, um, we got a rifle built in conjunction with Travis Stevens and we auctioned it off and we helped chairbound sportsmen raise $18,000 for their nonprofit. And I was like, it was at that point, I was like, holy crap. I think that helped me open up my mind to, I'm like, we can do so much good here with, with what we've built. And then, you know, from there we've, we've, uh, went on veteran hunts and we built a rifle every single year since then and multiple rifles in the same year, in some cases for hunts for the brave and, and other organizations. So I think in 2017, when I went on Rick Wary's moose hunt, um, our, he's our, a friend of ours, that's a quadriplegic. I think that's when I really caught fire and I'm like, man, not only do we have a cool brand and we're doing cool things and we have gear, but we can do a lot of good too. And I, that was a, a huge thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. You've kind of, you've kind of, uh, championed the, um, charitable side of Muley Freak. And it's been awesome to see us, you know, out there supporting veterans, youth hunters, other different organizations. Um, you know, <clears throat> SFW, we've contributed there and been able to do stuff with, state of Utah and fawn captures and, and do some really, really cool things. And it's been fun to, to do that side of things, work with biologists and so on and so forth. So what about the hunting side of things? How is that? Like, obviously hunting is work now. So how is that? How do you separate the work from the enjoyment in your mind? Cause that dude, that's really hard to do. Like you have to go out, film a hunt, try to be successful and try to accomplish your personal goals while trying to accomplish company goals on your hunt while trying to balance and manage um, your wife's uh, view and expectation of your job. Talk a little bit about that. that this is going to be interesting. Pay yeah, attention. Yeah, so going out on a, on a before the hunt, preparing for the hunt is always a nightmare. Why? Um, well, you just the stress of... The stress of making sure you got a camera guy there and making sure that, uh, you know, you have all the film equipment together, make sure you have your agenda for the hunt. What do we need to shoot? Um, you know, what photos, what videos do we need to shoot? And then you have to, so you have to, the, to manage that part of it. And then you have to worry still about like logistics of the actual hunt. How am I going to, you know, shooting an animal is really hard. So you have you have to, you know, figure out that part of the hunt too. It's like, okay, where, where are we going to go? And it's usually, you know, where we go isn't easy. And so it's, it, it, and then you have the family part to it. And it's, it's like getting away for a hunt. It's not fun to leave your kids. No. Especially now that my boy is like really attached to me, you know, like my daughter, she, you know, she's just turned one, but she's like, she doesn't care if I leave. And that's how Hayes was, you know, for a while. He didn't care if I left, yeah. but now it was way easier when they're younger. Way huh? easier. And this whole year, he would just have a meltdown when I left. No, Dad, Dad, don't leave me. And it's sad. And then you have, you know, my wife works two days a week, and so it's extremely stressful trying to get babysitters while I'm gone. And it's like, you know, I'm driving to a hunt, and I get a call from a babysitter. Hey, I have the flu. Can't watch your kids. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I'm I'm gone. My wife's you know, has to leave for work here in an hour. You're like, now <laughs> what? Dad. Yeah. Go over and, to my house. And, and just hope that I can find, and most of the time, you know, uh, it always works out. But so it's like, I have to work with 
the scheduling with the uh, with the camera guy, and then actually worrying about the hunt itself, and then you know babysitters and 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 family. It's it's not it's not easy. And then you know you get out in the hunt and you're actually hunting, and then you got to try to remember to shoot all the photos and ads you need for work. Yeah, and it's like, oh well, I'm not seeing deer. A lot of times it's like you're so worried about and focused on trying to find an animal that it's like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to get any of the other stuff done that you need to there. So there's just a constant, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a fun, constant, but tough career being a professional yeah. hunter like you, Aaron. But, but my point is, um, is after the fact is when I can like, when it, when it hunts over, I can like, or there's times on the mountain where I can do this too, but I can sit back and I'm like, man, that was an amazing adventure. And, mm-hmm. and then it's really, I love that I captured these amazing photos and, um, you know, I, I pride myself on, on having a knack for, you know, taking great photos. And so that's one of, I just, I love the satisfaction. I'm like, freak, that photo is sick. Yeah. And, and that's really, uh, satisfying to me, but you should share more of your amazing photos. Um, yeah, yeah, I should. Anyway, yeah, I just, uh, it, it's hard to balance all of it, but there, there's always times like, um, I get a second and I take a, a deep breath and I'm like, man, this is amazing. Like when I'm 10,000 feet and just saw the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. And yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. Or after a successful hunt, when you've worked your butt off and you know, we're successful or whatever, you can take a deep breath and be like, oh, Sit this down, is awesome. Eat a meal. Yeah taste a snack, drink, drink some fresh spring water, filter some water. Some like probably 98% of humans will never filter water out of a mountain spring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how blessed are we? Yep. Well, sometimes you just need to slow down. Yeah. You got a job to do, but, um, just enjoy it. I've told, I bet I've told Belmer, I don't know, 10 times, like, like, 99.999% of the world will, will never see this amazing view that we're seeing right now. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. You know, the way I think about the professional hunting thing or it's your job, however you want to say it, um, it's a job. It becomes a job. And I think any job, if you want to be good at it, um, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And I don't mean just pressure to like, uh, you know, kill something. I mean, pressure to perform at your best, right? That means finding the animal. That means, uh, documenting it. That means executing on that. Um, like, and to do it well so that it's enjoyable for folks to watch. Like, it's kind of a lot of pressure. Like not everyone could just go do that. And I get a lot of people too that say, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you film a hunt. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of people tell us that. It's really hard. And they're like, oh, man, you got the dream job. I'm like, it's awesome. But you also uh, you also bring in an element of stress to something you love. And so if I'm just being honest right now, I think it, it, it does take some away from it, some of the enjoyment away from it. Now, maybe that's a mindset or um, an attitude I need to change, probably. But I care. I care about the product. So I think inherently, um, but if you love what you do, um, 
it's it's manageable, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's different. If you absolutely hate what you're doing and you're at a job and it's like that, you know, that choking anxiety you get when oh, you man. really don't want to do something or you really hate something. Yeah. Like milking cows growing up. Yeah. Oh, I got to go wake up at 3.30 and go milk cows for three hours when it's negative 10. But yeah, um, it, it's manageable and... And like I said, it's very satisfying after the fact when you've, you know, taken some awesome photos and you've had a successful hunt and you worked your butt off and you're tired. And it's like, I love that drive home when my body hurts so bad. Yeah. And I'm like, man, but I did it. But you got a nice buck in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's probably annoying. And I've said it to whoever's with me, but it's an accomplishment just climbing to the top of that mountain whatever mountain you're climbing. It's like most people can't climb to the top of that mountain or or won't do it. So it's amazing, you know, that you can just do that and hunt and come back down. So that's an accomplishment in itself. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. It it definitely is an accomplishment. Um, but you know, it's, it's work. It's a lot of work, but what isn't work? You know, Andy Frisella says, uh, he's like, okay, you want to be a lazy piece of crap. That's hard. Because you sit at home, you have issues, you have mental issues, you have this, that, and the other. You want you want to work your butt off and become something that's really hard too. But but you have money, you're successful, you you know, um, you can provide. Versus the latter, or, or the former. Sorry, what would you rather have? Which hard do you want? You want the lazy, fat couch potato hard, or do you want the driven, successful, healthy hard? Yeah. I'd rather have the second one personally. Yeah. <laughs> what the lazy fat one? No. <laughs> the last one you said. I, I just wanted you to clarify. Yeah. So, <clears throat> whatever you do, if you care about it, um, I think there's going to be an element of stress. It's not like we just go out and yeah, we go out and smile, but we we're trying to accomplish something, um, and we care about it. And yeah. So, what else? What's in the future for you? More kids? Eventually. Not right now. Two's, yeah. two's hard enough. You got your hands Two's expensive too? enough is what I should say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. It's expensive. Well, guys, hopefully that uh, uh, was fun hearing a little bit about Aaron's journey. Um, it took some convincing for him ultimately. And, geez, I don't think he was ever going to, after the whole Mexico incident, which we didn't tell the full story, maybe we will one day. The, the skunk was just the tip of the iceberg on that story. But like, I didn't think you're ever going to, I didn't think you're going to come back to Mealy Freak after that. That hunt sucked. No deer. <laughs> very few deer. Shot the wrong deer. Skunks. Yeah, well, I was told to shoot up. But <laughs> say, like what, say, say what you want. It's a story for another day. But you guys, we appreciate the sport. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review. You can win something right now, a free hoodie. Uh, take a screenshot. Leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. Email it to me at ericatmealyfree.com. You're automatically entered to win. Entered to win. Um, also, if you like this podcast, you want to support us, please shop mealyfreak.com. We'd appreciate it more than anything. If you're looking for great gear, the best gear, shop mealyfreak.com. You can also support a bunch of our dealers, Black Ovis, um, Smith Edwards, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, um, Badass Outdoor Gear, and many others. So, Thanks so much for the support. We appreciate you guys. Catch you on the next one.